Welcome to Illinois in Focus, I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll review the week's top stories about the call for ethics reforms at the Illinois State House, the status of lawsuits against Illinois' gun ban, and the expected taxpayer cost of subsidizing migrant health care. I'll then join the Center Square Executive Editor Dan McCaleb to further discuss the news. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus, I'm Greg Bishop. Are you looking for fair news coverage out of the nation's capital? Join the Center Square's Editor-in-Chief Dan McCaleb and D.C. Bureau Chief Casey Harper as they discuss all things coming out of Washington, D.C. And as you said, I did a fact check on this because I really found it pretty misleading. Gas prices, yes, are down. But if you look at food prices, they increase. No spin, just the news. Listen to the American Focus podcast at americastalking.com or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back to Illinois in Focus. I'm Greg Bishop. Here are some of the top stories from the past week. Illinois Republican lawmakers are calling for a sense of urgency in implementing ethics reforms they say are needed in the General Assembly. Andrew Hensel has more. Last week, a jury found the ComEd 4 guilty for a years-long bribery scheme that involved longtime Illinois House Speaker Michael Madigan. On Wednesday, Governor J.B. Pritzker was asked if ethics reforms are needed at the State House. I don't think that there's anything that's been specifically brought up, you know, by the recent doings in court that isn't already illegal in law. They have been found guilty. House Deputy Minority Leader Ryan Spain said the legislative system in Illinois does not work to root out corruption. No one should accept as a reasonable outcome a narrative that the system worked. Okay, four people who were involved in a corrupt bribery scheme have been found guilty. Mike Madigan will see his day in trial sometime next week. The system is working. That's outrageous. Madigan, who has pleaded not guilty in the scheme, is expected to go to trial next spring. I'm Andrew Hensel. Now that Title 42 is history, Illinois officials are bracing for what could be a surge of migrants in the coming weeks. Kevin Bessler reports. The public health emergency measure allowed for a quick expulsion of migrants at the border during the pandemic. Over 8,000 migrants have come to Illinois since last year. Governor J.B. Pritzker says they will be taken care of and is hoping for federal help. We're going to fight hard for it and we deserve it. We're doing everything that we should do to provide food, clothing, and shelter for people who need it. As for health care, Illinois is on its own. There's a bill in Springfield which would provide health care to all migrants 19 years and older. State Representative C.D. Davidsmeyer says as a result, some Illinoisans are being left out. We're not helping children that are in harm's way. We're not providing the services needed for the developmentally disabled. We're not providing a number of services on a number of levels. A report by Healthcare and Family Services shows nearly a billion dollars will be needed next year to provide taxpayer-subsidized health care for migrants in Illinois. I'm Kevin Bessler. Those are the top stories from the past week from Illinois. Find more online at americastalking.com. Coming up for Illinois in Focus, I'll join the Center Square Executive Editor Dan McCaleb. This is Illinois in Focus, a production of America's Talking Network. I'm Greg Bishop. Freedom and liberty are important to all of us in Illinois, from Rockford to Carbondale, from Quincy to Decatur. If you're looking for civil, intellectual conversations with those shaping the future of freedom, try the Future of Freedom podcast with me, Scott Bertram. We speak with leaders across the country in the greater conservative and libertarian movements. In-depth conversations about where the next intellectual battles will happen across the country. It's the Future of Freedom podcast. Find it at americastalking.com or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Greetings and welcome to Illinois in Focus, powered by the Center Square. I'm Dan McCaleb, executive editor of the Center Square Newswire service. Joining me today is Greg Bishop, our Illinois Capitol Bureau senior reporter and editor. How are you today, Greg? It's another day in Illinois, Dan, with uh, just a handful of days left before the state legislature adjourns their spring session. We are recording this on Thursday, May 11th. And we are, as you mentioned, just about eight days away from the end of the uh, 2023 legislative session. There is still lots to get done in Springfield, including passing a state budget and even seeing a state budget from lawmakers. Tell us what's uh, what's coming. So we, of course, are anticipating seeing the details of the spending plan on how tax dollars are going to be spent. And it could be upwards to $50 billion dollars. Uh, but we have yet to see those details. Uh, there's a lot at stake, a lot of uh, dollars in that pie that's going to be split up uh, amongst uh, you know various measures to pay for health care costs, to pay for infrastructure, to pay for state employment, uh, and even to pay for public employee pensions, which uh, could be uh, north of one out of every five dollar that the state brings in in tax dollars. So uh, there's a lot of moving pieces to the budget. But as we've seen in previous years, um, the the legislature tends to wait until the final days of session. So I anticipate we'll see something, an overhead uh, view of the budget come Wednesday next week, Thursday. They'll get into the details and they'll probably button it all up by the end of session scheduled for May 19th. And of course, these budget documents are what thousands of pages, right? So if they introduce the budget next Wednesday, two days before the end of session on Friday, how are lawmakers and even the general public going to be able to digest it? Yeah, staff are going to be busy. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, the legislative staff, they're going to be pouring through these thousands of pages because you've got the budgets, the appropriation side, which is going to be thousands of pages likely. Uh, and then you've got the budget implementation side. And that could be, you know, changes in tax and fee structures and schedules and whatnot. Uh, so this is going to be collectively, uh, again, thousands, if not hundreds upon hundreds of pages of legislation uh, detailing where dollars are going to be spent. And this uh, obviously is going to be a long week for legislative staffers and for members of the media like us here with the Center Square to pour through those documents and to, to find some of the, uh, the, 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 the ways that tax dollars are going to be spent uh, for the upcoming budget year that begins July 1st. Now, um, we, of course, will get a lot of information uh, from the proponents of the budget heralding uh, what they see as priorities in the spending plan. And I expect we'll also hear a lot of criticism as well from minority Republicans as to uh, what's not being prioritized or how there might be too much spending in one program versus another. Uh, so there's going to be some pretty contentious moments. But one thing's clear is Democrats have both the House and Senate. They have the majority in both those chambers and they have the governor as a Democrat. So they're capable of passing this budget entirely without any Republican votes. Right. So super majorities in both chambers of the House and the Senate. You referenced earlier that it could be as much as $50 billion budget. That's essentially what Governor Pritzker himself proposed in his budget address back in February. We haven't yet seen 
lawmakers' proposal, but you, you can expect it's probably pretty close to what Governor Pritzker wants to spend. Now, one, one looming threat here, and, and $50 billion, by the way, for our listeners, by far a record in state spending for one I think fiscal. it's about an 11% increase from the uh, current fiscal year that ends. Which was also uh, a record. Yeah. So we're talking about massive spending increases year over year over year here in the state of Illinois. Um, what, one threat to that, uh, Greg, as we've reported on the centersquare.com, was April. That's uh, April 2023 tax revenues. That's this current fiscal year. So that is not for ne- uh, next fiscal year. We're down significantly from April 2022 um, state tax revenue, off by about $1.7 billion. If that trend continues... What does that mean for for a potential fifty billion dollar state budget? Yeah, so we're looking at uh, the the incoming revenue from the states and reports that are done monthly by the Commission on Government Forecasting and Accountability. It's a bipartisan commission that gives nonpartisan information about the state's finances, and they look at all aspects of state spending and state revenue. They came in and showed that uh, for this past April. Uh, about $1.7 billion shortfall in revenue from the April last year. And uh, a lot of that uh, was, uh, you know, uh, from personal income taxes dropping off. And that's a, a bit of a bellwether of a couple of economic indicators uh, that, that could show we're either heading towards a recession or we could see another month upon month of revenue declines for the state. And what that could mean is that'll put a lot of pressures on that $50 billion budget proposal from Governor J.B. Pritzker. And if that trend continues, you can see that any proposed revenue surpluses or uh, you know, surpluses in the budget the governor had proposed, those could quickly evaporate. Uh, $1.8 billion, that's a huge chunk of any spending plan in Illinois. And if that's uh, if that trend continues, you could see that uh, it's going to eat away from various priorities. So lawmakers are going to have a, a tough job ahead to pass a budget that they'll claim is is balanced. But Dan, you and I have been following the Illinois State House news for a long time, and they always come out and say that it's a balanced budget. But then when the numbers come out in the wash uh, at the end of the year, uh, that doesn't necessarily always end up to being the case. Yeah. Critics of uh, Illinois' budgeting process have said they use accounting tricks like keeping pension debt off the books and things like that. One other thing you know, is revenue declined significantly in April. One other thing we've learned recently, Greg, that expenses have increased significantly when it comes to Healthcare costs uh, for migrants, for asylum seekers who have um, moved their way to Illinois. Illinois covers the cost of health care for undocumented non-citizens in the state. And we learned recently that th- those costs are sp- uh, skyrocketing to about a billion dollars a year. Republicans have said, given Illinois' financial situation, given the declining uh, revenue numbers in April, that the state budget needs to take care of Illinois' citizens. Anything to add to that? Well, this is a, a huge dollar uh, figure to incorporate into the spending plan. And uh, this all stemmed from several years ago where policymakers at the state house, uh, Democrat majority, they decided to offer up uh, subsidized health care for undocumented migrants in Illinois. And when they first proposed it, they said it's going to be a very small amount of liability. It's only going to impact, uh, you know, several thousand possible uh, undocumented migrants getting subsidized health care. 
But that number quickly ballooned. And uh, you have audits being done by uh, government uh, agencies indicating that uh, the uh the, the 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 projections in the years ahead, especially for the next coming fiscal year, uh, since they uh, increased the number of individuals who are eligible for this subsidized health care for undocumented migrants, they lowered the age down to 42. Uh, they're looking at more than a billion dollars of possible costs just to taxpayers in the next fiscal year to cover the cost of undocumented migrant health care. Now, what's uh, really uh, putting a pressure on the state's budget is the state, when they spend on subsidized health care for citizens, they can get matching federal dollars, and it's practically dollar for dollar. So if you're spending a billion dollars on subsidized health care through like Medicaid, you're typically going to get a billion dollars from federal tax funds to match that. But with the undocumented migrants program and the health care subsidies, that's going to be only state tax dollars that'll be used for that. So that's another massive budget pressure that state lawmakers are going to have to contend with moving forward. And I don't know how taxpayers are going to pay for all this additional spending, particularly if revenue declines um, continue. But as always, Greg, we look forward to your and your team's coverage at thecentersquare.com. And there'll be plenty of coverage at thecentersquare.com over the next week and a half or so as we digest what happens in Springfield. One thing that's not happening in Springfield at the state capitol, Greg, or at least it doesn't appear to be, is ethics reform. Uh, in the aftermath of the ComEd 4 trial, where four defendants, either top executives for ComEd, uh, the state's largest utility, or um, lobbyists for ComEd, were convicted, all four convicted on all charges related to attempts to uh, bribe former Illinois House Speaker Michael Madigan. Plenty of folks have been calling for reforms in Springfield to get rid of to end this cycle of corruption that we've seen, but that does not appear to ha- be happening anytime this legislative session. Yeah, and they even had uh, former Governor Pat Quinn uh, show up to the Capitol this week. Uh, governor Pat Quinn, of course, uh, became governor after former Governor Rob Blagojevich was impeached and removed from office in 2009. And Quinn saw the comment for verdict of guilty as an opportunity to come to Springfield to urge for a special session to be called for either by the governor or by legislative leaders or by all three of them uh, to focus purely on ethics reforms. And Quinn held up, uh, uh, as he typically does at uh, news conferences that he's held in the past and recently, he held up uh, props, essentially, including a report that was generated in 2009 with a slew of ethics reforms after the Blagojevich administration that uh, a task force put together. And he said, while there were some elements of that uh, task force report they implemented, there were scores of other things that they did not implement. And uh, Pat Quinn urging for there to be a focus on ethics reforms. But you also have Republicans who have for years been pushing for ethics reforms. And they're not really seeing much traction whatsoever in getting something across the finish line. And it seems to be a a focus really on uh, several major issues, including conflicts of interest, making sure that uh, lawmakers are fully disclosing any conflicts of interest. One thing that Quinn raised was ensuring that uh, there's some kind of uh, resolution or law or even in the Constitution to require that uh, state legislators 
are prohibited from voting where there is a conflict of interest. Either they have an interest in uh, legislation passing that will help their bottom line, their family's bottom line, their business's bottom line. Uh, so there's there's a whole host of various reforms that they're looking for at the state house. But again, there really hasn't been much focus on that. And here we are on Thursday, May 11th, with just eight days left of legislative session. They've been in session off and on since January, and you really haven't seen much movement on some key issues uh, to, to clean up ethics at the state house. Now, what's interesting is uh, we asked Governor J.B. Pritzker about ethics reforms and also um, the Senate president and the House speaker. Uh, the Senate president and the governor uh, provided statements essentially saying, well, the comment for verdicts being guilty shows that there are already laws in place, that there are already laws in place that people are found to have violated and then they're charged and a jury convicts. So uh, while they say they want to focus on ethics, there seems to be that default position. We even heard that from former Senate President John Cullerton back when I forget if it was the late state Senator Martin Sandoval or the former state representative Louis Arroyo that was arrested several years ago uh, and charged with corruption. Uh, it seems that a default is that, well, things are already illegal. So people are being charged with these things. Republicans aren't buying it. If Republicans say that's not uh, a, a good answer. Uh, that clearly shows that the way Springfield works is broken. And uh, even it's not just ethics reforms they're looking for. Uh, State Representative Ryan Spain, he he's saying that the House rules, the rules of conduct for how the House operates needs to change because they're still operating underneath rules from House Speaker Michael Madigan. And that includes allowing for the House Speaker to really have ultimate control over what legislation advances uh, and uh, how certain bills make it in or out of committee or which ones go to the Rules Committee to die. Uh, So Republicans, while they're in the super minority, uh, they're very vocal about the lack of focus on ethics. And we'll see how that comes out in the wash because you've got a of course, the guilty verdicts in the ComEd 4 trial last week really fresh in people's minds, uh, even the public's minds and the jury in that case, uh, boiling it down real simply saying, while they understand lobbying is necessary to get stuff done, uh, they saw this as a corrupt uh, practice and uh, they want to see things cleaned up in Springfield. All of this, while we anticipate next year, Former Illinois House Speaker Michael Madigan faces 22 counts of corruption in a federal prosecution. Uh, He's pleaded not guilty, but we'll see if they get any reforms done before Madigan goes on trial. Couple quick comments of things you just said there. I'm Greg. It's important what you you referenced Governor Pritzker's response, the Senate President's response to the um, ComEd 4 trial, um, saying, "Well, laws are already in fact these these folks." Uh, were guilty. You also uh, uh, referenced Luis Arroyo and, and former or the late Senator uh, Sandoval. It's important to note that it took the federal government to come in and investigate these cases and to prosecute these cases that nobody, you, no one within state government um, um, had anything to do with these investigations or these prosecutors. You know, there, Dan, is a, a major reform that uh, Republicans are pushing for is to give the legislative inspector general, the watchdog of elected officials at the state house. Republicans have been pushing to give that individual subpoena power. 
so that they can actually investigate and have some teeth in their investigations for any allegations of impropriety. Exactly. And that's what I was going to get at. So there's plenty of work, in my opinion, to get done in Springfield. But where we're at in this legislative session, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Maybe during veto session in the fall. Of, of course, our listeners can keep up to everything that's going on on ethics in, at the state capitol at the centersquare.com. Greg, we have time for just one, one, one more story. Of course, there have been new developments in the legal fight over Illinois' uh, new gun ban that was enacted by Governor Pritzker in January. Catch us up to date on what's going on with the with the gun ban. So a myriad of challenges in state and federal courts, uh, just to start with the state courts next week, we'll have coverage of the Illinois Supreme Court uh, having oral arguments in the case that state representative Dan Calkins brought out of Macon County. He has a TRO in place and uh, the arguments are around equal protections allegations and saying that you can't carve out rights for some and not for others. So that's going to be a big story out of the Illinois Supreme Court next week. But that's just the the state level cases, the federal cases, there's been a lot of movement there. Where to start? Let's go to the Southern District where late April you had the judge issue a preliminary injunction halting the law from taking uh, effect or, or pro- prohibiting the state from enforcing the law, I should say. Uh, this comes months after the law was enacted in January. So uh, Judge Stephen McGlynn issued that preliminary injunction that kept the state from enforcing the law and potentially thousands of gun owners went to gun stores and bought semi-automatic rifles, shotguns, or handguns uh, because the law was unenforceable. But that was only for six days. Uh, Six days after the injunction was put in place, uh, last week, you had the, um, the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals uh, issue a stay on that injunction, uh, and then that threw a lot of people into um, limbo uh, as people who purchased guns during that six-day window uh, were uncertain as to the legality of either picking those guns up or even owning those guns. We asked Illinois State Police last week as to what kind of guidance uh, gun owners and gun stores should know uh, now that the injunction has been stayed. And they said in response, uh, after consultation with the Illinois Attorney General's office, that any firearms purchased during that six-day injunction window are illegal and cannot be registered come January 1st if the state's law is upheld. And Republicans came out this week saying that they feel that that meant that leads to these individuals being entrapped by the Pritzker administration. We asked Governor Pritzker earlier this week uh, his response to the Republicans saying that uh, he entrapped these gun owners from injunction week. And uh, the governor said, listen, the, the law is the law. It says that you cannot be in possession of a semi-automatic firearm uh, that is in the uh, you know, scope of 170 different firearms that are banned by state law. He says you cannot be in possession of one of those after the law was enacted. Uh, so this obviously is a story that continues to evolve. Uh, and um, that's just the latest twist and turn as far as the practical implications where some of these gun owners, if the law is upheld, they could be facing uh, some some charges if they don't surrender those firearms and don't register those firearms. But you've got the cases in the federal courts all over the place. The Northern District and Southern District cases uh, are going to possibly be consolidated. That's an effort that the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals made. Uh, You also have the Naperville challenge 
up in the Illinois Supreme Court right now with Amy Coney Barrett, the justice, uh, possibly US taking Supreme court. Yes, the U.S. Supreme Court. US Supreme court. Uh, you have Justice Amy Coney Barrett uh, possibly going to conference with other Supreme Court justices on a motion uh, for an emergency injunction against Naperville and Illinois' ban. Uh, so we're anxiously anticipating some kind of movement in those federal cases. So there's a lot more to come. Wow. Exhaustive, uh, Greg. In the next week and a half with, with the end of the legislative session, with these state Supreme Court hearing and the gun ban and, and all the calls for ethics reforms, you and your team are going to be quite busy. But that is all the time we have. Listeners can keep up with all of the stories we talked about on Illinois in Focus at thecentersquare.com. For Greg Bishop, I'm Dan McCaleb. Please subscribe and thanks for listening. 